Beth is rocking gently back and forth, her shoulders scraping against mine. She has her hands over her face and is mumbling something under her breath. It takes me a few minutes to realize that she is praying. The first Sunday we were in Broken Branch, our grandpa made PJ and me go to church with him. Mom never took me and PJ to church in Revelation. I never asked, but always wondered why. PJ asked, though, just a week before the fire. We were sitting at the little table in our breakfast nook, eating the chicken and rice that I made for supper that night. Why don't we ever go to church? he asked, while he shoved an enormous piece of chicken into his mouth. If you didn't know our mom, you'd think that she was completely ignoring us. The way she took her time eating a slice of French bread, took a long drink of water, wiped her mouth with her napkin, stood and took her plate over to the sink. This was our mother's way of carefully thinking through what she was going to say before answering us. My father made me go to church every Sunday for 17 years, PJ, and it didn't do me any good. She dropped her silverware into the sink and turned back to face us. I think a person doesn't have to be in a church to feel close to God. The desert works just as well. I sat at the table, silently saying, Shh, don't say things like that, feeling guilty for her. I watched her standing over the sink, scraping rice down the garbage disposal, the same sink she would stand over a week later, her burned skin sliding off her arms and swirling down the drain. Sometimes I wonder if the burn was a punishment for what she said, even though deep down I knew that didn't make sense, that God couldn't be so mean. When Mom got burned, instead of helping, PJ ran into his room and hid under his blankets, which I kind of understand. It was incredibly freaky seeing our kitchen curtains going up in flames and Mom ripping them down with her bare hands, the fire streaking up her arms until it looked like she was holding a ball of flames. It was bad enough trying to get Mom out of the house. I had to pull her away from the sink and push her through the front door as she cried, PJ, PJ! but to get PJ out was nearly impossible. He wouldn't come out from beneath his covers, and I finally had to grab the ends of the blanket and drag him like he was a sack of garbage. When I finally found the front door and stepped out onto the front stoop, blinking blindly in the hot sunshine, my mom was on her knees, a group of neighbors bent over her. Next to me on the ground, PJ was trying to get out of the blanket, and when he finally wriggled out, his brown hair was standing up like a porcupine, and his glasses were lopsided on his nose. I can imagine PJ in his classroom right now, his arms and head tucked into his sweatshirt like a turtle, thinking to himself, if I can't see it, it isn't there. Stupid weenie, I accidentally say out loud, and Noah elbows me in the side hard. Our neighbor, Mrs. Florio, called my dad for us and explained what had happened. We rode in silence in the back of Mrs. Florio's rusty station wagon to the hospital where my dad would meet us. Augie, my father said, coming up to me and wrapping his big arms around me. I buried my face in his chest and breathed in. Are you okay?
he asked, stepping back and looking me up and down. What happened? There was a fire and Mom got burned and the house smelled like smoke and Augie had to drag me out in my blanket and the fire department came in an ambulance, PJ said all in one breath. I watched my dad's face carefully. He tried so hard when it came to PJ, but he couldn't always hide whatever it was he felt about him. Irritation? Jealousy? Hate? I don't know. Are you okay, PJ? My father asked in a nice voice, and I relaxed. I'm okay, PJ answered, looking up at him like he was God or something. How are you? I had to roll my eyes. He's such a little old man. Before I can tell Mr. Ellery that I need to go find my brother, he slides off his desk. Stay here, he orders.